Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lift it up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. The Old Testament book of Proverbs, and notice if you don't mind, in the book of Proverbs, (coughs) we're thankful for this opportunity to be open the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 16, if you don't mind. And we're going to hit the end result. We've taken all these lessons to talk about creation versus evolution, to do a comparison, to be able to explain the creation model, to explain the flood model, to be able to take textbooks and see what they have to say. But then we also, when you take any philosophy, any uh, belief system, you have to see the end result. Where does it take someone? Where does it bring them? What's the end fruit of each of these things? We find our way, the book of Proverbs, in the book of Proverbs chapter 16, and we find a very important verse. Proverbs 16, and notice with me if you don't mind, in <laughs> verse number 25. Proverbs 16 in verse number 25. It says this, That there is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The Bible's clear that says for some person, they may think they have the right way, the right path, but if it doesn't line up with scripture, the end result is going to be death. And this is exactly what we see with the theory of evolution is that the ends are death. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And it's been a great weekend so far with the ladies meeting. It's been a great morning (laughs) celebrating anniversary Sunday. And now as we come tonight, we're thankful for the opportunity to just to be able to explain the truth, to be able to walk through it, to see the end result, to consider such matters. Lord, I'm asking that you would help me to settle down in you, to be able to trust you, depend upon you, put all of my dependence upon you to watch you to work. Lord, I'm asking that you would be with my thoughts, my mind, that you would just organize this in a way that would be pleasing to you, that you would expose the truth and help us to consider such things. Lord, I need you to fill me with your precious spirit, that you could get your own work accomplished and that I wouldn't be in the way or be a hindrance. Thank you again. In your name we pray. Amen. When we said before, we explained evolution and we know that evolution has many different meanings and that oftentimes when you start talking to someone about evolution, it is wise to cover what do they mean by evolution. We know that there's all kinds of different meanings by it, but there's only one that's macroevolution, which we would call variations that is biblical, observable, and scientifically. Now we've covered all of this before. With this, we understand that evolution is dangerous, first of all, because it is based off lies alone. We already spent some time to talk about the different lies that evolution is based off of to see that it is not true, that it doesn't work. Evolution is also dangerous because it removes all morality. Without God in the equation, there is no moral compass. And without that moral compass, what happens is that people do what's right within their own eyes. So evolution removes all morality. (laughs) 
as we've brought this quote up before, we'll bring it up again. I suppose the reason why we leapt at the origin of species was the idea that God interfered with our sexual mores. That one of the reasons why people reject the Bible and reject creation and accept something they know is not true is because the Bible gets in the way of what they want to do. It removes all morality. So with that, let's ask him questions. Why did Joseph Stalin order the execution of 14,700 POW officers? If you've never read the book, The Long Walk, I encourage you to do that. Why would he just execute Polish officers? Why did Hitler order the execution of 6 million Jews? Why did Pol Pot order the execution of over 1 million of his own country people? That from 1975 to 1979, the Komor Rouge, under the leadership of Pol Pot, executed more than a third of the entire Cambodian population. That made the Guinness Book of World's Records just kill so many of his own people. Why were the Australian Aborigines treated like animals and thousands of them killed in the 1800s? Why was it that Kip Kendall killed his parents and his fellow students? <laughs> Those are good questions. He stated that if there was a God, he wouldn't let me feel the way that I do. There's no God, only hate. If you don't remember who Kip Kilder, uh, Kip Kilder is, he's the one who orchestrated Columbine. That him and his friends went in there, 26 students were injured, two were killed. Later, the bodies of Ki Kendall's parents were killed in his home. When he was arrested and taken to police custody, they attempted, or he attempted to murder the detective who was talking with him. Pretty interesting. <laughs> Sorry, he did Thurston, not Columbine. And um, since Sandy Hook, we're familiar with Sandy Hook in 2012, this is updated statistics, there have been 422 school shootings. Why? Why have so much school shootings? Since the year 2000, which is three years ago, there's been 160 school shootings. It's gone up tremendously just in the last three years. Why? What is there, the cause? What's the reason? Dealing with Columbine, you had Dylan Kilbold and Eric. They made a video prior to the Columbine shootings. They stated in the video that he, which is talking about a football player, doesn't deserve the jaw evolution gave him. Look for his jaw. It's not going to be on his body. That's interesting that they mention evolution in their video talking about how they're going to kill everyone. Kilbert's father was a geologist. Imagine that. Both Eric and Dylan were followers of Nazi teachings. The shootings took place on Hitler's birthday on purpose. Kilbert wore a shirt that said serial killer. They shot Isaiah Scholes because he was black. Eric's t-shirt read natural selection. So when he's killing people, he's wearing a shirt that says natural selection. Why Dylan's read wrath. They spoke German to each other in the hall at school and Harris wore a Nazi German cross. One of the girls they killed was Miss Cassie. They said, do you believe that there's a God? Miss Cassie said yes, right before they shot her. She died a martyr inside of Columbine. <clears throat> uh, the newspapers gave clues to this. They said their clothes may give a clue to their thinking. Talking about natural selection. Even the newspapers could recognize this. There's a correlation between being taught that you're nothing more than animals and people acting like animals. There is a direct correlation. 
Here's a textbook here. This textbook speaks about natural or evolution and natural selection. It talks about this, how natural selection causes evolution. And in the textbook, it says, you are an animal and share a common heritage with earthworms. You're nothing more than animals. And when you teach students that they're nothing more than animals, then don't be surprised when they act like animals. There is a direct correlation. Jesus says in the Bible in Acts, or John chapter 8 that ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. We're thankful for it that the truth is what we need and we need to understand where these things lead to us. We know that there's a God's plan versus Satan's plan and both of them are diametrically opposed. That God's plan is for, to fill his creation with people. God likes people. He wants there to be lots of people. Satan's plan is to get rid of all the people. God's plan is to obey his wise laws and live in peace. That's pretty simple. Satan's plan is to promise secret knowledge to them that follow them, to offer worldly riches and power, but deliver terror. God's plan is to use the preaching of his word to win souls, whereas Satan uses the teaching of evolution to get people to accomplish his goals. God's plan is for people to live with him in, forever for, uh, in heaven forever, whereas Satan's plan is to send people to hell without Christ. Those are both two diametrically opposed plans. So let's kind of cover each of these. That God wanted to fill his creation with people, while Satan wanted to destroy the human population. What was God's plan? Well, the Bible says in Colossians 1.16, For by him were all things created. That all things were created by him. God created everything. So if God created everything, he also created everything with purpose. Genesis 1.28. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Notice this. This is the very first mention of the word blessed in the Bible. And he says the blessing goes with to be fruitful and multiply. I'm going to bless you. And because you're blessed, you're going to be fruitful and multiply. Notice this. It's an interesting thing. Well, notice the pattern goes on. Genesis 5, 8, uh, 3. And Adam lived 130 years. And he begot Seth. And then during Adam's 800 years, after Seth, he begets sons and daughters, plural. Many sons and many daughters. We know that Adam lived 930 years. How many kids could you have in 930 years? Quite a bit. And that's what God wanted for him. Notice in Genesis 9-1 as Noah's getting off the ark. And God blessed Noah and his sons. Notice the word blessed again. And it says be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. The word blessing, the idea of God's favor, went with him with the idea that they were to have many kids. God's blessing. Genesis 17-2 dealing with Ishmael. Behold, I have blessed him. And notice he had 12 sons. God blessed him and he was fruitful and multiplied. Once again, Genesis 24, 60. And they blessed Rebekah, be thou the mothers of thousands of millions. That's a lot of kids, by the way. A lot of descendants. Notice here that God has put the idea of his blessings with the idea of having lots of children, increasing the population. God loves people and he puts his blessing with that. 
Psalm 27, or 127, verses 3 through 5, it says, Children are a heritage of the Lord. Every child is a present that God gives. He says, As arrows are in the hands of a mighty man, so are the children of youth. Happy is the man that have his quiver full of them. God says, You're happy if God blessed you enough to have plenty of kids. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? That God puts his blessing with the idea of having children and multiplying and having babies. Isaiah 45, 18, it says that he formed the world to be inhabited. God didn't have the world to be empty. He wanted to be inhabited. He wanted the world to be full. So the pre-world flood was probably habitable from pole to equator to pole. It could have supported a population of hundreds of billions. Remember the world back then was two-thirds land, one-third water. God designed it to be inhabited. That was his plan. Whereas Satan's plan is to reduce the human population to zero. He wants to get rid of people. Interesting enough that all the famous people believe in getting rid of people. Jacques Cousteau, which by the way, when I was a kid, he was always on TV, uh, books and everything, talking about the underworld. He says, in order to stabilize the world population, we must eliminate 350,000 people a day. Well, that's a lot. He says, we need to save the planet, so let's get rid of people. Interesting. Ted Turner, the guy who invented CNN, TNT, TNN, a oh, total world population of 20, uh, 250 to 300 million people, a 95% decline from present levels would be ideal. Well, you first, Mr. Ted. He said, the world would be better if we got rid of 95% of the people. Here's Chuck Worcester of the Environmental Defense Fund, a very big deal. He said, people are the cause of all the problems. We have too many of them. We need to get rid of them. And by the way, he was putting a specific ban of things that would protect people. He said, get rid of them so that way you get rid of people. Interesting. Here is a, uh, a platform for the United Nations Urban uh, ecological Summit, they had this convention on biological diversity, which was, by the way, signed by the President of the United States at the time. It says that we need to either reduce the Earth's population to one billion or reduce the standard of living. Think about that. Something that our current our president back then had signed, we need to get rid of all the people and go down to one billion. That's it. Interesting. Here's a guy who says, Christianity is our foes. If animal rights is to succeed, we must destroy the Judea Christian religious tradition. So here's a guy who led the way on animal rights. In order to have animal rights, we have to get rid of people. People are the problem. By the way, he favored killing babies up to 28 days old. It's easier to get rid of them that way. Interesting, isn't it? Here is Prince Philip. He was the husband of Queen Elizabeth who had recently passed. He said, if I could be reincarnated, I'd wish to return to earth as a killer virus to get rid of people. <coughs> Interesting, isn't it? That's Satan's platform to use people to get rid or to, to get rid of people. People are the problem. That's the opposite of God's plan. I could go quote after quote after quote, but it's amazing of all these famous people who were taught evolution, believe in evolution, all say that people's a problem, let's get rid of people. Whereas God says, I bless you if you have lots of people. 
So with this, we know that they have diametrically opposed things. God says that we are to obey his wise laws and we live in peace. But without God's laws, there's no moral compass. Whereas Satan promises secret knowledge to his followers. And that's something that's always been enticing. The Bible says in Genesis 3, 5, speaking about Satan, the way that he tempted Satan or tempted Eve, he said, God's holding back on you. He knows that if you eat of this fruit, your eyes will be open and you'll be as God's knowing good and evil. He's holding back secret knowledge for you. I want to give you secret knowledge. And that secret knowledge caused her to disobey God. Interesting, isn't it? The different plans that they have. We know that God has a plan for all of us, and that's for people to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Satan wants to destroy people and destroy the image of God. Now, a good example of this would be Dr. Spock. Dr. Spock was well-renowned for his child-rearing tactics. In fact, it was because of Dr. Spock that the idea of how to raise children has been cemented into our culture today. Dr. Spock is a big deal. But did you know that he based all of his theories of raising children off of evolution? Inside of his book, he said the development of each child retraces the whole human or history of the human race, physically and spiritually, step by step. Babies start off in the womb as a single tiny cell, just the way the first living thing appeared in the ocean. Weeks later, they lie in the amemic, uh, amniotic fluid in the womb and they have gills like a fish. And then towards the end of the first year of life, when they learn to clamber to their feet, they're celebrating that period millions of years ago when our ancestors got up from all fours. That's just the time the babies are learning to use their fingers with skill and delicacy. Our ancestors stood up because they found more useful things to do with them, their hands, than walking on them. Now, you might be familiar with what we were talking about before. This whole theory of having uh, gill slits and all that stuff was disproven 150 plus years ago. And yet people like Dr. Spock, who was not a bad guy, had been taught this and based all of his child rearing uh, skills to the idea uh, of evolution. By the way, that was the idea of never spank your child. But the Bible says to spank your child. So now you either follow the Bible or you follow evolutionary teaching. Well, what happens when we don't discipline our children right? They don't turn out right. It doesn't matter. You could speak softly to them, but the Bible says how to do it. You either obey evolution in raising your kids or you obey the Bible. And both of them have diametrically opposed uh, results. Now, Dr. Spock eventually recognized the serious harm that Darwinism had done to people's lives and to society. He goes, oops, I found out that everything that I believe was based off of a lie. And all of my teachings are based off of the wrong idea. Well, I'm glad that he was smart enough and he was studious enough to find this out. He became a very diehard conservative. In fact, they wrote a book about him. Uh, the biography of a conservative radical. He says, a man has lost his belief in himself and his sense of direction. Why? Because of the concepts of evolution, of psychology and sociology that have undermined the authority of religion and man's identification of God. He says, oops, I found out that everyone's been basing things off evolution. And now as we look at the results, it has not turned out the way that we want it to. That now people have less trust in God and the moral fabric of our country is now torn away. 
I appreciate his honesty on this, but now it's already done damage that people have said, we want to uh, raise our children the way Dr. Spock taught us. And he's saying, oops, that's wrong. Don't do that. Interesting, isn't it? He says, they have induced man to belittle himself, to conceive of himself as merely an animal, divisible unto a number of mechanical parts and drives. He says, the result is, is that people don't see themselves as created by God. They see themselves just as an animal and they behave as an animal. Interesting, isn't it? Now, if more interesting on this subject, find this book, How Darwinism uh, Corrodes Morality. It goes chapter after chapter after chapter, giving examples of how te the teaching of evolution has uh, eroded the morality of our culture and of our people, and it's destroyed everything. It's an amazing read. Now, evolution is dangerous because it's based off of lies. It also mo removes all morality. Evolution is also dangerous because it is the foundational philosophy for humanism. For humanism. What is humanism? That's a good question. The Bible says in Romans 1, 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. What is humanism? The idea of worshiping the creature more than the creator acknowledging that they think they're great. Do humanists believe in a supreme being? Emphatically, yes. That supreme being is man. Humanists have no knowledge of any being more supreme. Humanists are people who worship humans. They think that we are the highest of form light, uh, evolved life form and that we are the ones who control everything. Everything should worship us. The turning point in history will be the moment where man becomes aware that the only God of man is man himself. That's very dangerous when man's the one who determines right and wrong. The worship of man. You had Hitler who said, I am God. But when you start looking at things, he becomes very small. He doesn't sound so big anymore compared to the creation that God has made. God is so big. And yet man likes to think that we're so big and we're so mighty. And it's God that's God. I will not accept that creation philosophically because I do not want to believe in God. Therefore, I choose to believe in that which I know is scientifically impossible. Spontaneous generation arising evolution. He says, listen, I know that evolution's not true. I know that spontaneous life coming from nothing's not true, but I'd rather believe in a lie than believe in God. I don't want to believe in God. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? I'd rather believe in myself. We no longer feel ourselves to be guests in someone else's home and therefore obligated to make our behavior conform with a set of pre-existing cosmic rules. It's our creation now. We make the rules. We establish the parameters of reality. We create the world because we do. Interesting. We no longer feel beholden to outside forces. We no longer have to justify our behavior for we are now the architects of the universe. We are responsible to nothing outside of ourselves. So we are the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. That is some dangerous speaking right there. To be able to say that I'm God and that if there is a God, he needs to move out of our way because we're in charge now. That is pretty egotistical thinking right now.
And yet we have people all over who believe that they are the center of the universe and that they are the greatest thing. Satanus put it in the minds of his followers that they should build a kingdom and rule the world. He secretly plans to use them to destroy mankind and kill the seed of the woman. That's just been Satan's plan all the time. To go ahead and get people to think they're the greatest. And once they're in charge, they kill everyone else who disagrees with them. And then what happens is that people will disagree with that leader. They will throw overthrow the leader. Then they'll kill everyone's associate. And then if you need example of that, look at the French Revolution and see how badly that turned out when man was in charge. It did not turn out well. So if evolution is true, who owns the world? That's an important question. Who owns the world? Do we own the world? Do the plants own the world? Do the animals own the world? Who owns the world? Who makes the rules? That's a very important question. Because whoever makes the rules, they're the ones in charge. And we have to obey them. How do we decide what's right and what's wrong? Well, a lot of people believe that whatever you think is right is right. So if I take a gun and shoot someone in the head, is that right? Why can you say no? If I've determined it's right in my own universe... You see, that's where we brought ourselves up to. We have people who don't care about laws and rules because who makes laws and rules? It doesn't matter. I determine this is what's right, so I'm going to do it, and I'm going to get away with it, and nobody cares. If man is God, then this is what humanism means, then the strongest makes the rules. Might makes right. There's no absolute standard to tell right and wrong. We've just erased everything, and... As long as you're the strongest, you determine what's right and wrong. You're the one who forces people to obey your will. That's not a wonderful place to live, by the way. During the Civil War, a man decided he didn't want to get involved on either side. So he put on a Yankee coat and put on rebel pants. So he's got a nice gray coat nice blue pants. And he says, I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to pick a side. I'm just going to kind of ride the fence. What happened is after the battle, he was found dead. His Yankee coat was full of rebel bullet holes and his rebel pants were full of Yankee bullet holes. This is what happens. We are in a spiritual war. You have to pick a side. We're in the center of the greatest battle in, in the greatest war of all of history. We do have to pick a side. Are we on God's side or are we on Satan's side? You just need to decide which side you want to be on. You cannot be neutral. And then when we pick a side, we need to help our general to win. You cannot ride the fence. This is so important. It's a spiritual battle going on. Christians have the incredible advantage of having an infallible book with the outcome already spelled out. I read the last chapter. Let me tell you a secret. We won. We're on the winning side. Let's pick that side. And so if God wins, then we need to do everything we can to help this, our side win, to be part of that. We don't want to be part of the side that loses, and we don't want to be part of the side that wins, and we didn't do anything to help. Now, as we said, evolution is dangerous because of many reasons. One, because it's a foundational philosophy for humanism. But something that's also very dangerous is that it's the foundational philosophy for racism. All right, now we start getting to the fun, fun facts of where evolution brings us to. The cover of Darwin's book never gives the entitled, 
entire title. Most people just call it Origin of Species, but it has a very longer name. Back then, books had a very more complex name. Notice the name of Darwin's book in its entirety. It's the Origin of Species by the Means of Natural Selection or the preserve, Preservation of Favored Races in the struggle for life. That's the title of the book. That origin of species by the means of natural selection, or if you want to call it a different title, preservation of favored races. It is the foundational principle for racism. <coughs> Darwin's book came out in 1859. The theory of evolution had come way before that. That wasn't a new thing. But he was the one who published it and popularized it. This book only attempted to justify the racism that was already being practiced. By the way, it wasn't the cause of it, but what it did is it justified it. Here in the book here, notice it doesn't give the full title. It just says on the origin of species by the means of natural selection. It doesn't give the rest of the title in the book, in the textbooks. The full title, The Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. Darwin thought that natives were just advanced animals. That's all they were. Nothing more than animals. <laughs> At some future period, and the not very distant, measured by centuries, the civilized races of man will almost certainly exterminate and replace the savage races throughout the world. They're less evolved, and so we have every expectation that us more evolved humans will just kind of wipe them out. Interesting, isn't it? This is his book, by the way, Descent of Man. Darwin says, from the war of nature, from famine and death, the most exalted object which we are capable of conceiving, namely the production of higher animals. He says the greatest thing we could be involved in is creating superior humans and get rid of the less superior humans, the less evolved ones. Now notice, this is a bill for sale for slavery the same year that Darwin's book came out. Slavery was very up and running here in America during that time and an awful time in history where people were selling others because they saw them as objects and less evolved humans. This is an, uh, a man who says the standard of intelligence of the average adult Negro is similar to that of an 11-year-old youth of the species Homo sapiens. He says, you know, a black person... Their intelligence matches an 11-year-old boy. That's about it. That's, that's as smart as they can get. That's horrible. Biological arguments for racism may have been common before 1850, but they increased by orders of magnitude following the acceptance of evolutionary theory. No rational man cognizant of the facts believes that the average Negro is equal, still less superior than that of the white man. This is by Thomas Huxley, who was known as Darwin's bulldog. He was the guy who really kind of rammed evolution in everybody's face back then. And this was a big deal. He says, listen, black folks, they're less involved, and there's no way you could convince us scientifically either other way. Interesting. This guy says, the black people of Australia, exactly the same race as the African Negro, cannot take in the gospel. Imagine this. He says black people can't get saved. Their souls can't take the gospel. In fact, a lot of them taught that the black people didn't have souls. They were still animals. They didn't have souls yet. All attempts to bring them to the knowledge of the true God 
have as yet failed utterly. By the way, his gospel is not our gospel. He was Anglican and didn't believe the same gospel that we believed in. He continued and said, the poor brutes in human shape, they must perish off the face of the earth like brute beast. He was an Anglican priest who promoted Darwin. Interesting what he said. Again, just to look at what these people believe. In 1860, Kingsley wrote a letter to his wife after visiting Ireland, where the potato famine had just killed one million people in a country of eight million. So he goes to Ireland and he's looking at all the Irish people there. Here's what he says about the Irish. I am haunted by the human chimpanzees I saw along the hundred miles of horrible country. To see white chimpanzees is dreadful. If they were black, one would not feel so much, but their skins, except tanned by exposure, are as white as ours. He says, the Irish people, they're nothing but white chimpanzees. He said, if they were black, at least, you know, I wouldn't feel so sorry for them, but but there's white chimpanzees. I kind of feel a little bit sorry for them, but we need to get rid of them all. Awful, isn't it? Here's official Mormon doctrine. Negroes in this life are denied the priesthood and no circumstance can they have authority. Negroes are not equal with other races. It is the Lord's doing. Imagine this. Official Mormon doctrine is that black people cannot be part of the Mormon church. That was until they realized that Mormons can play basketball and they need them for play in their university. Interesting, isn't it? More Mormon doctrine. It says that this is by divine decree. Cain, Ham, and the whole Negro race have been cursed with black skin, which is the mark of Cain. You want to prove that God hates them? They're black. That's evidence that God hates them. It's pretty bad, huh? Mormon goes on, if there's one drop of Negro blood in my children, as I've read to you, they receive the curse. Listen, if there's any black uh, blood in my kids, they're cursed too. Awful, awful teaching. Shall I tell you of the law of God in regard to the African race? If the white man who belongs to the chosen seed mixes his blood with the seed of Cain, the penalty under the law of God is death on the spot. This is Mormon doctrine, by the way. Appreciate it. That's awful. Some of the leaders taught the aborigines were not as involved as the white man. They cited the fact that aborigines have bigger jawbones as evidence. Look at their jawbones. They are still developing. They're kind of ape-like. That's not true. There's all kinds of different skull shapes. Ernest Heckel, which by the way, we talked about him as the guy who came up with embryology. The mental life of savages raises, arises little above that of higher mammals, especially the apes, which with they are genealogically connected. He goes on, the lower races, such as the Australian Negroes, are psychologically nearer to the mammals or ape, than apes and dogs than civilized Europeans. We must therefore assign a totally different value to their lives. He says black people have less value than white people. That's the teaching of evolution and where it brings to. And so the poor aborigines were rounded up and killed by the hundreds and thousands here is an article that was talking about missionaries. <laughs> it said, a New Southwest missionary was horrified to witness the slaughter of, by mounted police. Dozens of aboriginal men, women, and children. 45 heads were then boiled down and the 10 best skulls were packed off to go overseas. You ever wonder where those skulls went? Well, let me tell you. They're in the Smithsonian Museum as evidence of evolution. Still today. 
So they killed these aborigines, killed them, boiled down their skulls, sold them to the Smithsonian, said, here's some more evidence of evolution. Go ahead and hold on to this for us. Imagine that. Now, <laughs> eugenics was a big movement in America till World War II brought out. Eugenics, America was leading in the study of eugenics. What's eugenics? It's the study of the, under social control, to improve or impair the racial qualities of future generations. Basically, it's a way of trying to develop to uh, superior races or get rid of the inferior races in America. Big deal. This eugenics became a very big study of trying to keep everything pure. In the time these ideas gave rise to American laws that empowered doctors to sterilize people they judged to be unfit. 60,000 people were sterilized in the United States over the course of the 20th century. By the way, the... Uh, the Germans were watching the American court system and the American court system said that sterilization was a proper way of controlling the population. And the Germans, as soon as the courts approved it, they put their own laws into practice. They were waiting to see what the Americans were going to do. And if the Americans accepted it, then the Germans could get away with it. And they learned a lot of their policies by what was going on in America with the idea of how they treated what they called lesser races. As it goes on, it says, the most chilling, though, were in the ways the American eugenists influenced their German catapult counterparts. I have studied with great interest the laws of several American states concerning the prevention of reproduction by people whose progenity would in all probability be of no value or injurious to the racial stock. That was Adolf Hitler. He says, I was watching to see what the Americans did with the inferior people. And I based my practices off of what the Americans did. Interesting, isn't it? At the World's Fair in 1904, 2,000 primitive people were on displays. The purpose of the display was to demonstrate the superiority of the white Americans that had evolved further. And what they did in the World's Fair is they would have little displays of Chinamen, of American Indians, of pygmies. In fact, one of the things here was this pygmy here who was put on cage and went around America as a display as of evolution, as evidence of evolution. Interesting, their lack of evolutionary process. And they went and they put up all the people they thought was inferior and put them in display. And people can go and say, I'm glad I'm not them. I'm glad I'm not them. I'm glad I'm not them. Isn't this awful? All because of the theory of evolution. Theodore Roosevelt was influenced by evolution. He believed that there were inferior races like the American Indians. He says, I very much, <laughs> I wish very much that the wrong people could be prevented entirely from breeding. He says that many of the immigrants from Europe, Scotland, and Ireland, and the Orient were a threat to American society. He didn't want them inferior people coming in. In 1871, the United States Congress scrapped all treaties with the Indians and moved them to the reservation system today all because of evolution. They said, we could break our, our treaties with them because they're not people. There were nothing but animals and we could change what we uh, agree with animals. Horrible, horrible. All because of the theory of evolution as its basis. The Bible talks about Malachi. Have we not one father? Hath not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man 
against his brother. God has made all of us. There's no one who's inferior. God made all of us and created us. We're thankful for that. By the way, this is what biblical Christianity teaches. It doesn't matter what the skin color is and what they are. We're to be able to accept them and give them the gospel and love on them no matter who they are. Acts 16, 26. And hath he made one blood all nations of people. We are all of one blood. That we all bleed red. God has created us the same. We may have different shades, but it is God who created us. Again, this is biblical Christianity. We saw what the goofballs who've been taught evolution and where it leads to. It's awful. Biblical Christianity said that God created us all and he has a plan for all of us. Darwin also thought women were inferior. He said, a married man is a poor slave, worse than a Negro. He says, if you're married, you're worse off than a black person. That's awful. I'm glad I'm married. He said, the chief distinction between the intellectual powers of the two sexes is shown by a man's obtaining higher eminence and whatever he takes up than a woman. He says, a woman's not smarter than me. I know lots of women smarter than Darwin. <laughs> There's a lot of smart ladies out there who have been able to do such a thing. It's not a matter of intelligence. He says, whether requiring deep thought, reason, or imagination, or merely the use of senses in the hands, the average mental power in a man must be that above a woman. I know a lot of ladies, even in here, that would object to that, right? <laughs> Thus a man has become ultimately superior to women. Poetry, strength, voice. He says men are better than women. Which has been the problem. Again, this is evolutionary thinking and something that's affected society for such a long time. Darwin also believed in inbreeding. He married his maternal father's granddaughter, who was his mother's niece, to produce superior stock. Well, let's see how this turned out. They had 10 kids. Mary died shortly after birth and died at age 10. Robert was born retarded and died at 19 months. Henrietta had a serious breakdown at age 15. Three of his six other sons were so ill that often Charles regarded them as semi-invalids. Well, that didn't work out for him. Didn't produce superior stock at all. Matthew 7, 17 and 18 says, Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Now, this is important because what we're doing is we're seeing the end results, the fruit of evolution. And the fruit of evolution does not produce good fruit at all. This is one of the warnings that we need to say that maybe this teaching is not as good as people think it is. This is a very dangerous teaching. And by the way, I haven't gone through all of it yet. This becomes a very big deal. Because not only is it a foundational philosophy for racism, but it is also the foundational philosophy for Nazism. And we will cover that next week to see this and the dangers of evolution and where it ends up bringing people. But as for us, what do we do? What do we do to do against this? How do we solve this problem? That's a good question. We're all in a war. What is our part in this war? Now, that's a good question because many people will come up with different ideas. What should we do? Well, we need to do what Jesus already told us to do. What did Jesus tell us to do? To go out and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. What are we supposed to do? So wedding and discipleship. 
We're supposed to reach people one by one to see them come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, then teach them how to obey the Lord and teach them how to do the same thing. This is the plan that God gave us. Well, you say, well, it's not as fun as protesting schools. Yes, but it's much more effective. Well, it's not as fun as protesting abortion clinics. Yes, but it's much more effective. This is what God has given us to do, and we're to obey what God has given us to do. The Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And there's a lot of people who don't know what's going on. This is why creation seminars are so important. This idea is is a big deal. It is a big war. It's something that we can't just let lie. It's destroying hearts and minds and destroying cultures and society. And even destroying the lives of children, even to the place of killing them. With this in mind, what is your part to play? God has given us a role to do. Are you doing your role? Are you doing your part? This is a war that does matter quite a bit. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.